I'm excited about this morning. I want to welcome you. I'm glad you're here. Um, I've been having a good time. Uh, my name is Hein, by the way. If you don't know who I am, my name is Hein. I am the son of God, a son, not the, I guess that's weird. Yeah, we'll edit that one out, Lilani. Got it. A son of God. I'm the husband of one wife. Um, it's important. That's an important distinction. Um, I love my wife very much. She's awesome. If you've met her, you'll know I'm not just, uh, not just saying it. And I've got two, no, I don't have two wonderful kids. I have the two most wonderful kids on earth. Um, I'm sorry, it, is, it was a competition and you lost. But um, I, love, <laughs> I love my children with all my heart. And um, I've been uh, privileged to be a part of this church for nine and a half years. If, if, uh, yeah, I've been here for nine and a half years serving Living Waters. And it's been a privilege. Uh, and the last three and a half of which I've been uh, um, called to, to lead this church through COVID. Thank you for that one, um, by the way. Um, I'm not going to send out thank you notes for that. Um, but I love and appreciate you. And, and I'm excited for what God has in store for us this morning. Because I absolutely love preaching the Word of God. Because it is a good book. Amen. It is a good book. So I want to welcome you wherever you're from. I'm sorry, I can't, we can't go around and say everyone's names. That's going to take a while. But I want to welcome you wherever you're from, if you're local or from afar, if you're from, uh, from Nelspreet or from, from Pretoria, wherever it is, welcome. And, and uh, I'm, I'm trusting that this morning God will really impart something into your life. Because we're still in a little series on trials and temptations. And you guys keep coming back. It's amazing. For three weeks, I've been preaching on trials, and, and again and again, people come. You guys like the Bible, don't you? You know, you like truth. I like that. We've been talking about James chapter 1. We've just been spending a little bit of time in those verses. You can read it with me. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 8, and I'm going to add verse 12 there, as you know. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do. In verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Let's just pray together. Thank you, God, that once again we can look into this important topic of trials. And I know your heart for us is to overcome, Lord. I know that. And Holy Spirit, once again, we need your help. We need your help to, to teach us, to remind us, and to give us the strength to endure the storms of this life. Thank you for your beautiful word that equips us for every good work. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to do just a quick recap because... Um, because some of you might not have heard the first two messages. And, and two weeks ago we started. And week one, all I pretty much said is it's inevitable. Trials will come. That's it. That's the truth of life. Trials will come. It is inevitable and unavoidable. There are battles you're going to have to face. Finished. And I know that's not, that doesn't sound like good news. Let me rather say it that way. It sounds a little bit of a downer. 
You know, you don't come to church to have the preacher tell you that you're going to face trials. That's not what you want to hear. I get that. But that is the reality. We see it again and again and again in scriptures. But the promise of God is that He's going to be with us every single step of the way. There's never going to be a trial that you're going to have to face that you do not have God on your side. I don't even want to say in your corner, but in the, because in the corner God stands behind you and He doesn't do that. I believe God is in it with us. I believe when we go through trials, because we will, when we go through storms, He is in our boat. I've preached that message before, and you can go check it out if you want online. You know, that, that who's this man in the boat? This is an important distinction that we will always make. There will be storms, but there will never be a storm without the presence of God with us. Never. Week two, we, we, last week, we started looking at, you know, how do we overcome? And I, and I liken trials to tightropes because it's, it's context for all of us because we're tightrope walkers in this church. So I tried to use an example that we can all think, yes, now I know. Next time I go tightrope walking. I'm kidding. But there are specific things that we can really learn from the principles of tightrope walking that really helps us in the trials we face in life. And more specifically, we need to face them. We need to commit to them. We need to keep our focus on God, and we need to keep on moving. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to that message, go listen to it. It's online. It's there for you. It's an important message that helps us, that equips us to overcome the trials of this life. But we're not quite done yet because we, we're coming today to a very important distinction here because I realized when I was preparing this little series, I, I realized that there's a difference between overcoming and enduring. There is a difference. And, and it, it can't really be separated from each other, but there's a different way that we must approach enduring versus overcoming. There's a different way. And that's why this morning we're going to talk a little bit about that because we might see our trials as mountains that we must climb. You know, we see this big thing in front of us and we must, you know, find the courage to scale this mountain. But it's difficult to find that courage when you feel like you're drowning. It really is. So last week I spoke about finding the courage and stepping up to the trial. I did. But I also realized that many of us think of this and we say, Hi, and I hear you and I know it's necessary, but man, at the moment, I do not even feel like I've got air in my lungs. I'm breathing water, son. And that's why it's so important that we don't just look at overcoming, but also how to endure. How do we endure the storms of this life? How do we endure? How do we actually apply principles in our lives that will help us endure the storms? So that's all we're looking at. We're talking about enduring the storms. It's part two of overcoming trials. There was trials as a reality, and this is part two. Look at the happy two. I tried to look for a happy two that will make you feel, I can do this. Doesn't that two make you feel like, whoo, I can do this, right? That's a happy two. Okay. Before I get into five principles, I'm going to give you five principles. I hope you have a pen and paper ready for five principles that will help you endure the storms of your life. So you better get ready for that. But before I do, I want to make an important distinction. Um, in Matthew 7, we see Jesus just after he preached probably my favorite portion of Scripture in the entire Bible, the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone knows that about me. I absolutely adore it. Um, but he ends with a, with a story. He ends with a story about two men. It's a story we know well, and I want to remind you of that story in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. This is Jesus speaking, so he knows what he's talking about. And he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Now this is an important story because there are some similarities between the, these two men and then there's also some things that's, that's specific to each of them. And we're going to start with the similarities. As I've said before, I'm going to say at least three more times today, so get ready for it. Storms will come. Storms will come. In fact, in this example, Jesus is saying, hey, this guy that does everything I told him to do, listen, he followed it word for word, was facing storms. Now, why I need to say this is because sometimes when we face storms, we feel like we're doing something wrong, right? We feel like, oh, I, I must have missed God's purpose for my life, or I must have misheard Him, or, or this must be purely from the devil. And, and all it actually means, if you're facing storms, is you're alive. So while you're facing storms, you're breathing. Amen. Let's praise God for that. Because that is a constant here. Jesus, Jesus Himself is saying here, the guy who does everything right is going to face storms. Everything right, but he's going to face storms. And the second thing, though, that's very important is they have something different between them. So while they share storms, there's a difference because one endures and one doesn't. One is able to withstand the storms, to keep the storms on the outside, and the other one isn't. And this is what I want to talk about this morning because I do believe that through the power of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit, we can be like the house built on a solid foundation. But there is a curse word in there. Do. Isn't that a swear word in the church? Do. He puts it in practice. He does something. Ooh. Lord, have mercy on us. The difference was one actually did what should be done and the other didn't. You'll notice they both heard, but one did and the other didn't. So let's get into it. These five principles that I believe will help us, will save our lives when we feel like we're drowning. Are you ready for enduring the storm? Number one, and yes, this is in order of importance. Reach up, reach out. Reach up, reach out. Principle number one that will help you endure storms, reach up, reach out. See, when the storms of life comes, we are very tempted to kind of withdraw into what we believe is safety. And that's something we really believe. We believe that if I'm threatened, if the storms come, what I must do is I must isolate myself somewhere in a dark corner where no one will ever find me. And that is quite the opposite of what we should be doing when the storms of life come. See, we believe that's a place of safety. And let me tell you something. It is not. Isolation is not shelter. Isolation is not shelter. 
And that's one of the biggest mistakes we make, and we all make it. You know, we're, we're at that place where we're just thinking, I don't feel like praying, and I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't, I don't feel like talking to especially specific people who's not going to feel sorry with me. Um, I don't feel like going to church. And, and, and here's the reality of when you feel like that. What you need to do is you need to pray and you need to read your Bible. You need to talk to those people who's not going to feel sorry for you. And you need to go to church because this is what you need. This is what you need. But we first reach up in Psalm 91 verse 1 and 2. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God always wants to be your source and your safety. In fact, I believe we are created in such a way that we will never find a source and safety outside of Him because He wasn't going to share that with anything or anyone. And when we're facing storms in our lives, even when we don't feel like it, the first thing we have to do is we have to start praying. And I want to challenge you. The first thing I want you to do as your pastor, I don't want you to pray against the storm. I want you to pray for faith bigger than your storm. Because storms are constant. What we need is to place ourselves on a rock that cannot be shaken. So when we pray, the first thing we do is we say, God, we acknowledge you're in this with us. And I pray that I will have the faith to endure it. The strength to keep on standing when the waves are pounding. When I feel like I'm drowning, Lord, I want you to help me stand. We first reach up to God and we say, Lord, we need you. So we spend time in his word. Read your Bible, pray every day. That's what you need. But the second principle in this, or second part of this first principle is vitally important. We don't just reach up, we reach out. We reach out to one another. What do I mean? There is safety in the wise counsel of fellow believers. The problem is when we face a storm, we do not have perspective. You do not have perspective. I know you don't want to hear that, but when you're facing storms, you are not an objective participant in your life anymore. You are now subjectively influenced by the circumstances you're in. And that's why in Proverbs 11:14 it says, For a lack of guidance, a nation falls. But victory is won through many advisors. This is the opposite of isolation. It is going to people that can support us, encourage us, give us wisdom. It is going to people who can be objective, who can challenge us. I know that's the last thing. I know what you want is pity, but what you need is perspective. I know what you want is someone to say, hey, it's going to be all right. But what you need is someone to say, hey, get back up. Let's keep on running. This is the reality. We need to reach up. And we need to reach out. We as Christians cannot do this Christian life alone. I want to read you what Paul wrote. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2 and 3. Listen to what it says. He says, We sent you Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in preaching, sorry, in spreading the gospel of Christ. Why did we send you, Timothy? To strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that 
no one would be unsettled by these trials. So Paul acknowledges they were facing trials, and then he actually goes as far as to say, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. That's bad news. Paul's saying, hey, you are destined for trials. Bless you. Go well. And he says, but in that, I'm going to send you Timothy. I'm going to send you Timothy to encourage you, to uplift you, to strengthen you. I'm going to send you Timothy. And even us, when we're facing the storms of life, we have Timothys. We have bodies of believers that can stand around us and encourage us. The biggest thing is, are you going to isolate yourself or are you going to reach up and reach out? Principle number two, I've got 15 minutes, praise Jesus. Principle number two, you must remind yourself of the goodness of God. This is vital and extremely powerful. And the one way we do this, and I want to say the first way maybe we should do this, is to remind ourselves of our own testimonies. Is to remind ourselves of what He has already done. He's never failed you before. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting here this morning. You wouldn't. He's been there for you. He's been with you. Never before have you been let down by God. Why would He start now? Why would all of a sudden God change His mind and say, No, Heine's on his own from now on. Not a chance. He's consistent and constant. If He was there yesterday, He'll be there today. And He's going to be there tomorrow. An omnipresent God cannot withdraw His presence. And if he was there yesterday, he's there today. So we remind ourselves, Psalm 16, 8 says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. If he provided for you then, why wouldn't he provide for you now? If he was there for you then, why wouldn't he be there for you now? And I know the storm you're facing at the moment might be the roughest one you've ever been in. But it still isn't bigger than your God. It still isn't stronger than your God. So you remind yourself, God has always been good to me. You remind yourself of that specific times when you needed Him and there was breakthrough. You say, God, when I needed that, you came through for me. When I needed a Timothy before, you sent me one. Why wouldn't you be there for me now? And the second way we do that, reminding ourselves of God's goodness, is we remind ourselves of the promises of Scripture. Now, I'm going to read you every promise. I'm joking. That would take us more time than what we have left in our lives. But you remind yourself of the promise of Scripture. You remind yourselves of hope and salvation. You remind yourselves of the goodness of God. One of my favorites, one of my favorites is Romans 8.28. Anyone else love that Scripture? Love it. It's one of my favorite Scriptures, especially in times when I feel like I'm drowning. And it says, I will keep you from drowning. No, I'm joking. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. You want to know why I love this one? Because it doesn't say in all things you need to understand what's going on. It doesn't say you need to get a grip high. It doesn't say it has to make sense. What it says is in all things God 
works to the good of those who love Him. And see, this is a faith statement. This is a statement that's bigger than our experiences. This is a statement that says, God, even in this pain, I pray that you work for the good of your glory in my life. God, even in this confusion, even in this mourning, even in this, this trial, even in this struggle, I pray, God, that something would blossom in me that glorifies your name. It is a statement of faith in a God who is greater than our subjective experiences. And that's why I absolutely love it. Number three, this is important. Number three. So you've now already reached up. You've reached out. You've reminded yourselves of God's goodness by thinking back on what He's done for you and reminding yourself of Scripture. Point number three, this is important. Do the routine things you know to do. Here's that swear word, do. I know that's a swear word. Do what you know what to do. What does this mean? What does it mean to do what you know what to do? You read your Bible. You pray. You worship. You go to church. I'm always confused by people like, I just don't feel well enough to go to church. That's like saying, I'm too sick to go to the doctor. Doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. I just don't, I'm so sick, I just don't feel like going to a doctor, Hein. Let me get back on track. You pray. You worship. You read your Bible. Let's get practical. You eat well. You get some exercise. I'm not saying you become a weightlifter. I'm saying you go for a walk around the block. God designed our bodies to thrive on these kinds of things. It is extremely spiritual to exercise. It is extremely spiritual. Otherwise, Paul would have said exercises of no value, but he didn't. He said physical exercises of some value. You know you should do it. You should look after yourself. So you start doing the things you know you should do. You get some sleep. Amen. You get some rest. Amen. You do something you enjoy. Amen. You find passion. Amen. You give of your time for free. For someone, you tithe. Amen. Because these are things you know you should be doing. And the best thing you can do when you feel like you're drowning is get in a routine. Get up out of your bed and make your, like get up in the morning and make your bed. And tick a list off, I have made my bed today. First task complete. Because that's already a statement that I'm going to win. There are things you know you should do. Do it. It's that simple. This, is, this was Jesus' teaching. He said, and, and we're going to definitely spend more time in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't you worry. But um, I love preaching through that message. But anyway, Jesus gave practical advice about loving your neighbor and being faithful to your spouse, about forgiving those who sin against you. And then he says, if you do what I say, storms won't get you, get you down, man. Practical things. We get back into routine. When the storms hit, the discipline part of disciple needs to come out. The discipline part. We become disciplined in doing the things that are routine, that we know we should do. And listen, here is why this is so important, is because when we're facing storms, our emotions tend to dictate what we do. Right? Our emotions tend to say, no, no, I don't feel like doing that today. I don't feel like doing this today. It doesn't matter what you feel like doing. 
Do what you know you should do. I don't feel like reading the Bible. Get into your Bible. I don't feel like praying. Start praying. Come to the worship evening on Thursday. You know you should be doing these things. Get routine in your life. That is practical, isn't it? Point number four, and this is important, guys. Do not take on the storms of others. Don't take on the storms of others. We fall prey to this one. I I had to learn this one the hard way. When you're in a storm, people in storms tend to find you, don't they? And they either want to, you know, you feel like you're just sinking, and they're like, can I sink with you, or do you want to sink with me? But that's kind of the options. That's kind of the options. And this is an important point, because I know that the Bible instructs us to to encourage one another to be the Galatians 6.2. It's not on there, but it, it says, carry each other's burdens. Now, I just want to correct that a little bit. It specifically speaks on moral burdens to help each other not to sin. But as Christians, we are responsible towards one another. We are. But you are not responsible for taking upon yourself or your own shoulders someone else's storm. That makes no sense. If God himself said, and this is Jesus talking, by the way, because Jesus, if God, if you didn't know that, but if Jesus himself said, hey, I want you to give me your burden, why would he expect us to carry the burdens of others? But we tend to do that. We tend to take it upon our shoulders and we weigh it heavy as if we can solve their problems. Bad news. You do not possess the power to quiet anyone else's storms. So why carry it? Now you must hear me correctly here. I'm not at all saying that we are not responsible to people. People have needs which we should meet. Sometimes practical physical needs, sometimes emotional needs, sometimes prayer needs. And we are responsible as the church of Jesus Christ to do that for one another. But you and I are not responsible for carrying their storms on our shoulders. And and there are specific things that we tend to gravitate towards and take upon ourselves. Things like negativity, anger. And we take upon ourselves the offenses of others. And we take upon ourselves the anger, the hatred, the negativity of others. And what that does is it makes you sink just a little bit faster. You do not possess the power to calm their storms. So rather give it to the one who does. Rather give it to the one who does. So when someone has the courage to reach out to us and say, Hi, I'm suffering here. We listen to them. We pray with them. We stand with them in faith. And then we leave it with Jesus. Then we say, Lord, this is a heavy burden. And I thank you that you can carry it. We leave it with Jesus. This is important. Do not take upon yourselves the storms of others. You have a responsibility towards them, not for them. Number five, let's finish this on the last point. You start giving thanks. And I know this is the last thing you want to hear. When you're facing a storm and you feel like you're sinking, if you feel like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to overcome this morning that I'm feeling right now, you start giving thanks. And we know this very well. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Listen to what it says. In, not for, 
Amen? In, not for. We're going to say, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this suffering. No, that's not the expectation. But in those circumstances, we give thanks to God for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And see, what that does, why this is so important is it helps us not just focus on the darkness, on the depression, on the storm, on the depravity, on the hurt, on the disappointments. What it does, it helps us to take our focus off that and say, God, but you're still good. I want to thank you, Lord, even though I'm facing this storm in life, I want to thank you that I still have a wonderful family, that I'm still alive, that, that this storm still means I'm kicking, and I'll praise you for that. And we start thanking God, and we start changing the rhetoric, and we start thanking Him for, for our salvation in Jesus Christ. We cannot thank Him enough for that. Can I just say, if you're out of things to thank Jesus for, thank Him for your salvation that you are saved, that you are counted amongst the sons and daughters of the Most High, and that you are going to spend eternity with Him. Start there. Thank Him for who He is. Thank Him for the practical things. Thank you that even though I'm in a storm, I'm not hungry at the moment. And if you're hungry, that you're not thirsty. Praise God for that. But you find something and you start changing it. You start changing your focus from the darkness to the light. Because that's what storm seems to do. It seems to blind us. It seems to blind us so that we cannot see the reality of God's goodness in our lives anymore. And what thanksgiving does, it opens our eyes to God's goodness again and again and again and again. So we must cultivate gratitude in our lives. Not, not for the hurt, not for the pain, not for the disappointments. But that even in them, there is still blessing. There is still goodness. And at the very least, praise Jesus, there is still salvation. And these are five very practical things that, that I know has helped me before face storms in my life. And these biblical principles, every last one of them, I know will help us stand when the storms of life hit. I know that these things will help because we know over the last three weeks, trials are inevitable. I mean, Paul says, hey, it's coming. It's coming. We know we have to face these things, but just because they're inevitable does not make them unendurable. In fact, the promise is that we can endure through Jesus Christ. That is the promise we have. That if we build our lives on the solid foundation, which is Jesus Christ and His teaching, we will withstand the, storm, withstand the storms. Let me make that personal for you. You will withstand the storm you're in if you do your life according to Christ. That is the promise. And I want to pray for us this morning because uh, if you're not facing a storm right now, I don't want you to raise your hand because then one's coming tomorrow. I don't want to set yourself up for that. But maybe you are. And in fact, I can say with, with, with a lot of confidence that most of us in this room right now is in some kind of storm in our lives. And everything I've shared over the last three weeks pivot on who God is. Everything I've said is reliant on the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 
Even the practical things cannot be done without the power of Christ in us. And I want to pray for us this morning that that when these storms come, because they will, that God will give us the wisdom as He has from His Word over the last three weeks to endure. And not just to endure, but to overcome. So I want to close your eyes and I'm not even going to ask you to stand because all of us will stand. So I know that this prayer goes to all of us this morning. But if you feel like it this morning, I want to encourage you to stand up and say, Lord, I'm sinking right now and, and I need your Holy Spirit to grab my hand. If you're in a place this morning where, where man, you feel like this message is three weeks late because you've been sinking, I want to encourage you to stand. Lord, this morning we come to a throne of grace and and we say, God, we want to thank you for your promises. For some reason, Lord, you love us. And this morning, God, I know that there are many storms being faced in this church. I know that there's many people that's struggling, that says, hi, and I hear you, we need to overcome. But at the moment, I just feel like I need to endure. I want to thank you, Lord, for the wisdom of your Holy Spirit. I want to thank you for your word that encourages us and teaches us even principles like how to endure storms in life. But Lord, this morning, I also pray that we will receive your power from your spirit. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will empower each and every one of us to face the storms that we are facing. I pray that your spirit will help and empower each and every one of us to endure. To in the place where we feel like we're out of options to reach up and to reach out. To remind ourselves of the goodness of God. I pray that we will do the things we know to do. I pray that you will strengthen us and encourage us to be there for one another, but not take upon ourselves each other's storms. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength to start thanking and praising you for what you have given us. I thank you, Lord, for salvation. I thank you, Lord, for church. I thank you, Lord, for community. I thank you, Lord, for parents and children. I thank you, Lord, for spouses. I thank you for family. I thank you for friends. I thank you, Lord, for food and for shelter. I thank you, Lord, for looking after our physical needs. And I thank you that right now I know that you are imparting your power so that we might endure. Thank you, Lord, that this is a promise that we can stand on. Thank you, Lord, that this morning we leave knowing that through your presence, through your power, we not only can, but we will endure the storms of this life. We praise you, Jesus, and we give you all the glory and all the honor forever and ever and ever. Amen.